Welcome to Talking Paragraphs. I am your host, Daniel uh, P. Finney. The P is for Patrick, not Paragraph or Pilcrow, so don't get confused. With me, as always, is the man of Bluff City, the Sultan of Spreadsheets, the Colossus of Calculators, Memphis Paul. Paul, how are you? Uh, good, good, very good. I, I've been spending a lot of my downtime coming up with ways to describe accounting in yeah yeah in is this as you try and fall asleep or uh, is this a, is this an alternative sedative for the, think, the drugs you're not allowed to take uh, think, thinking of sleep uh, thinking of accounting or? is is a way to go to sleep uh we are uh honored to be joined by one of my oldest and dearest friends uh a united states army veteran and uh, now fraud investigator, make Medicare, Medicaid fraud investigator for a company that shall not be named. Uh, former CID, uh, Lewis Jordan. Welcome, Lou. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Paul. Lou's a podcast veteran. His brother used to have a uh, Hawkeyes-based podcast. And... Oh. Uh -huh. um, it was uh, it was a very interesting podcast because uh, Grant Lewis's brother he's about five years younger than us um, four four he uh, gets very emotional about football games uh, and uh, at that stage in his life he didn't have any kids so he was like we lost this weekend and I just thought about driving the car and the van into a into a tree and I'm like well you may your perspective may be off a little bit, but uh, uh, they were always counting down to when the first person said fuck, and I just want to be the first person yeah. to say fuck so that we can get that you out just of the way. Get it out. Yeah, fuck is, yeah. the fuck seal has been broken. Uh, we're going to be talking about yeah. war, and we're going to be talking about Afghanistan, and I don't think that saying pussy feathers is going to do it in some cases. I was going to ask if we could swear, so good. Yeah, we can say, Sometimes yeah. I might, I might get a little off topic. <laughs> except for the except for the C word uh, uh -huh. and all, all of the, and don't do any Chinese accents like Jack Morris. Uh, oh, yeah, we, don't, yeah. we don't need any of that shit. Uh, I still have to get a job for a school district sometime. So uh, I, will, I will say this. Uh, when I used to work at USA Today in sports, Sometimes uh, we were waiting for like a West Coast baseball game to finish so that we could put it in the additions that went to the big cities. And yeah. we only had minutes to upload it to the satellite to send it to the printing presses in the various regions. And so my job was just to watch the game and write one sentence about how it ended. So like the Diamondbacks yeah. and San Francisco were in extra innings. and Nobody gave a shit who won, just get it over with as fast as possible. And so I would write the sentence and I would send it to my editor, a guy named John Koch. And John would just paste it in to the file and send it on its way. And I said, aren't you going to edit it? And he said, son, at this time of night, all I do is a search for cocksucker and motherfucker. Everything else I can justify. So a yeah. little inside uh, journalism there, a little insight into journalism. Lou, thanks for being our guest. It was actually Paul's idea to invite you on because I quote you all the time. Uh, about uh, 
the state of politics or the state of uh, things uh, because you're my friend that was a veteran or that is a veteran of these uh, conflicts of the 21st century. And I guess I'll just ask you flat out without putting any spin on it, how are you feeling about the last couple of days at the end of uh, U.S. involvement with Afghanistan? Well, first off, Dan and Paul, thanks again for having me. I'm honored to be on your show. Um, how I feel about what's going on in Afghanistan right now, I, to sum it up, I mean, quickly would be that I'm kind of torn. Um, and I'll just, you know, sell it out like there, like this. I, without getting into what I what I did for the military, it, um, safe to say I, I had a front row seat to everything that was going on from 2005 to 2010. And that included trips, many trips to Iraq and Afghanistan. I went to Afghanistan more times than Iraq. And the two countries, if people try to compare them, are completely different. Um, Iraq, you know, for the most part, it had structure when we got there uh, before we, you know, <laughs> took it over and ruined it. Um, they had court systems, you know, judges, concerts, shopping malls, markets. It was Museums, for the most part a normal right. country. It was ruled by a brutal dictator, but it was for the most part normal. Um, Afghanistan is completely different. Afghanistan was a, I mean, those people there, they live in the Stone Age. They live in medieval times. And it's really hard for Americans to grasp that. Um, you know, our other good friend, uh, Jason Kemp, who spent a whole year over there, he would, you know, be the first to tell you some of the villages he traveled in when he would, you know, come up on a sick kid and, you know, who had some kind of severe infection, something we just take for granted, take our kid to the, you know, the urgent care and get a, get some antibiotics and they'll go, go home fine. That kid in that village would just die. And the people were fine with that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, troops would ask, Hey, what do you do with this person? Who's going to, you know, they, they need some medical care and, and they just, Oh, they just say, no, they'll just die. And that was normal to them. So, so like the I mean, Republicans about COVID? Is that what I'm doing? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny that a lot of people care on Facebook right now. That part's killing me on what's going on. That's what I'm probably more angry about than anything is all the people who uh, have an opinion that we're, they're you know mad that we're leaving and, and they didn't show up in the last 20 years to help us. But at any rate, no, that, that we, if you served over there and you paid attention, then it was quite clear that country was going to fail. There's no... Uh, the people over there, like I said, the work ethic, everything, what's happening right now with the Afghan army and it collapsing, you know, 20 years, trillion, $2 trillion to, you know, we spent on that country. I, I don't have the breakdown on how much we spent on equipping and, and, uh, and training them. It, it's easily in the hundreds of millions. Um, it appears to be all for nothing now. Why? Because there's not a lot of work ethic out, that, out over there. Now I will say this, I worked with Afghans. I knew I, I, I was, once again, I knew Afghans. I met Afghans from villagers, people who had nothing all the way to their highest government officials. And something else you have to understand about Afghanistan is that that country, everyone who, pretty much damn near everyone who helped us over there, um, especially in the beginning, the, 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 their commanders, so-called commanders, those would equate to our local, like a, a mafia boss, a crime lord. They only yeah, knew money. Yeah. The only reason they were helping us was for money. Um, and so, once again, what, what just happened? Uh, the funds cut off. Um, we're not supplying them with money anymore. And from what, you know, military report, reports I'm seeing now is that, that they, uh, 
these you know folks in charge of government stop paying these soldiers, and that is they believe part of the reason why the Afghanistan army and police forces just dissolved. These warlords are keeping it for themselves, which I am not at all surprised. Um, but they, you know, people are angry, and you know the, the Taliban is taking over. Well, once again, first off, you have to understand that country. Um, you know, we we were. I'm fine with, I see a lot, I've seen a lot of stuff. Go back to your question, Dan. I see a lot of people, I've seen friends on Facebook, veterans are, you know, they're, they're posting stuff about other veterans or contacting them, having a hard time, having suicidal thoughts. And, and you know, I understand that. The, if you served over there and you lost a friend, you know, if you've been in the, I've told you before, Dan, if you're in the military, then, you know, those are your brothers and sisters that you served with. And especially if you went to combat with, and, you know, you love those people forever and you stay in touch with those people forever. And if you lost a friend over there, that's a hard thing to deal with. And there are people who are dealing with, you know, what was this all for? Was this for nothing? We've given the country back to the Taliban. And to those folks, I'd say, you know, no, we, we did our mission. We did our job. Our job was to go over there and defeat al-Qaeda. The Taliban was harboring al-Qaeda in Afghanistan after 9-11. They, had, they were harboring Osama bin Laden. Our country said, hand him over, and they wouldn't. So we went over there and, you know, looked for him, and we wiped out al-Qaeda there. Um, the Taliban is not Al-Qaeda. The Taliban is, and I think I've talked to you about this before, Dan, the Taliban, they're, you know, they're basically a giant religious organization, a, a cultish one at that. It would be like in America, I would compare it to if you'd say like all the Catholics and all the, 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 all the Jewish people, all the, the Baptists, the Methodists, the Presbyterians, they all combined into one giant religion, but they were fanatical and crazy like the like those Westboro Baptist folks who protest at soldiers' funerals. Like that's the level of crazy the Taliban, oh, they're, they're crazier than those people. But that's, that's what you're dealing with. It's an ideology, and you can't carpet bomb an ideology into, into submission. So, you know, Americans just have to accept that the Taliban was destined to take over that country. There's, they were always there. They were not going anywhere. You couldn't, if you wanted to eradicate religion in the United States of America, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't know how you'd do that. And we couldn't do it there. But Wasn't the fact that the, uh, you know, the, the country just went so far, I knew that would happen. Um, I knew they'd take back over. I didn't think it would happen this fast, but hence it has. And uh, our, our government's trying to do our best, its best right now to correct the situation. Wasn't, as a layperson, just as a citizen, I, I I thought the reason we went to Afghanistan had very little to do with Afghanistan, meaning the country, uh, and everything to do with we wanted to kill the guys who uh, orchestrated 9-11. Correct. We wanted to kill Osama bin Laden and all the other guys that ended up in the deck of cards uh, that they had, you know, ace of spades, whatever. Well, the deck of cards, that was, they used that for Iraq. They didn't use oh, that for Afghanistan. My, my bad. Afghanistan, okay. we're pretty much looking for bin Laden. Right. And anybody, any al-Qaeda members have anything to do with so that. I don't think they issued the deck of cards for Afghanistan. We shit the bed. One. <laughs> now, this is, uh, this is not me blaming the military, but George W. Bush shit the bed because Cheney and all these other goons talked him into a war in Iraq that had nothing to do with anything. They didn't have anything to do with 9-11. They just, they wanted whatever profiteering they thought they could pull off out of Iraq they wanted to do took their eye off the ball and it took 10 years to kill bin Laden instead of two or three. Uh, and 
then we were stuck with two wars until I don't know how long ago it was. Iraq said, well, we're done with you guys and refused to sign the, what is it? The war powers act or whatever it is. Basically exempting U S troops from prosecution Correct. Yep. in, in their country. That's a standard. Uh, yep. The, like, so I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, that, right. That's what there, it's, there's us. a basically that's, an that's agreement that you have. That, there's an agreement that you have that, if U.S. troops are in your country doing uh, war stuff or, you know, missions, whatever, the U.S. troops are subject to military law, but not local law. Uh, so the Iraq's, Iraq leaders at the time said, fuck you guys, get out. We're not signing this. And so we left, except for the embassy and maybe a thousand guys, uh, you know, Marines and stuff to guard the embassy. Uh, Paul, what uh, what uh, what are you wondering about, and why did you want to talk to Lou? Ask a real ass vet. Um, that's what we're going to call this segment. <laughs> well, um, uh, I, I guess um, th- this was all happening. I uh, when we do our podcast, it's all uh, silly stuff, and uh, th- there's no actual facts involved. There, there might be a, a headline of a story, but we don't. Oh, what's what the, let me click on this and see what the facts are underneath it. That's that's really not my style. Uh, yeah, let, let us uh, if it, let us let us push actual news away as hard as we can. <laughs> um, well, we we kind of talked about it in terms of uh, this unaired podcast for last weekend. Um, Biden he gave a speech about yeah yeah we we left but it was. Um, uh, like I'm, I'm not going to defend this, you know what happened. Uh, but we we did a kind of a ro- role play of like, oh, let's role play this, and it's like, oh, here's Ken Follett. He can talk about you know how horrible this was in 1985. Uh, here, here's Tom Hanks from the movie he did um, about the U.S. fighting uh, Russia in the shadow conflict. Uh-huh. Uh, like here's uh Here's Clooney. Oh wait, we didn't we didn't get Clooney. Okay, here's Mark Wahlberg from Three Kings. Maybe that was another country, but basically we've just kind of kept being over there doing stuff. Uh, like we, we've just continued doing this. There was, there's a uh, eventually we're going to need to get out, and the only reason we hadn't gotten out is because there'd just be this fallout of people that had been crickets. No one had said anything, but once we we left, er, oh, everyone suddenly got an opinion that we did this the wrong way. I I would say that that is the most vexing thing to me, as a journal, as a former journalist. You know, you could go months, if not years, in the last twenty years without a story in uh, the newspaper or even the major newspapers like the Times and the Post and. Uh, and Wall Street Journal without stories about what the hell was going on in, in Afghanistan. It was not this, these wars were not campaign issues since maybe 2008. Right. They were completely ignored. I will agree with you there, especially Afghanistan. Well, Afghanistan has been ignored since we invaded Iraq. So I'll, I'll agree with what you said, Dan, that, you know, if we really wanted to, once again, the people that are mad about this that don't understand the mission, we were never there in Afghanistan to nation build. We were there to get Al-Qaeda and get out. The reason they never got out is because they knew this would happen. 
Right. That's why Obama never left. And I think that's why, I don't know, I don't know if Trump knew better and maybe he just dropped the ball on Joe because he knew it would do it. You know, this is what it would be like. and It'd make him look bad. I don't know. I don't really blame Trump or Biden for this. I would blame George Bush, Dick Cheney for this. Um, you know, if they'd have done, if they'd have put all the effort into Afghanistan to fix it instead of invading Iraq, we would be in a totally different situation right now. But it would take, once again, when you're dealing with people who've only grown up in the Stone Age, it would take generations to fix that. But we've had all these people that helped us, you know, for the last 20 years. And once again, good people. I've known some of them were had young kids, older, you know, middle-aged folks, great people. And yeah, I do think we should help them. I, I don't think we should leave them there to die. Um, the Taliban, they will come in and eventually, you know, they're going to do, they're going to do some heinous shit to people. And, you know, America has to decide though what it wants to do. If, you know, two years ago, I did hear all the people on the right and, the, you know, changed their tune totally. And were cheering on Trump as he was saying he's going to exit. And for some reason, everyone was saying, yeah, let's get out of these wars. Let's stop doing wars. Well, now those same people are, you know, on the other side of the mic <laughs> saying, what are we doing? We screwed this up. We got to go back in there. What's well, America so, want to do? Do we want to go so, back in there? Yeah. We're, we're so stupidly bifurcated on our politics that uh, a guy with a blue striped tie does it. It's wrong. But if a red right. striped tie had done it, it's right. Exactly. And that's maddening. But also, I think, I, I think that we really, the big picture for me is we have turned war into what used to be something that was about, um, we, we have turned war into something that the whole country was involved in. All the way through Vietnam, the whole country was involved in war. Right. And now uh, we have uh, been able to have war uninterrupted for 20 years. And it's largely been out of the public eye, forgotten about. And I think that's a really dangerous thing for a country with our military capabilities to be able to do. I'm not saying that I want the draft again. But, uh, but that was an equalizer. Even though rich people always had a way around it, people in power always had a way around it, when you put the middle class and middle America on the line for this stuff, not just volunteers uh, and not, uh, not you were, you know, I don't want to stereotype people who join the military, but there are a lot of people who joined the military because they didn't have any other choice. And there are a right. lot of people who joined the military because it was the best economic opportunity available to them. That is fair and true. And there are people like you who after 9-11 happened, you said, there's a war and I'm going to be in it. It's my job. Let's go. And you joined up there. There's a mix. But, <laughs> but compared, it, there, I mean, there were a lot of us. There were a lot of people who joined for that reason after 9-11, but Compare if you compare it to the people that join, say after World War II or after Pearl Harbor during World War II. Sure. Or, well, and even, even then, they even then they needed a draft. Right. So yeah, even then they did. Yeah. Uh, what 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 I'm saying is, this war has gone on so long that we forgot about it. That it they called the Korea the Forgotten War. There was but compared to that this that was uh, that was daily television. This is 
something that nobody talked about. It went on forever. And then when we finally decided to do the right thing for, by Americans, American military service people and say, we can't do this anymore. And Biden said it. We can't lie to the American people anymore and say a little bit more time and a few trillion more dollars and a few hundred more uh, American military lives uh, an uncounted number of civilian lives in Iraq. Uh, that's uh, never going to make the difference. And I, I just find, I feel like we're in a very dangerous position when we're saying, uh, when we, we are in a position where we can have a war last this long, most people forget about it unless it becomes a political football. And then we'll just try to be beat the other guy up with it. Uh, I think I think Joe Biden's, you know, I think he's out of fucks to give. <laughs> he yeah. he uh, by what his the interview I just watched I just watched it before we got on here the one he did with George Stephanopoulos a lot of people are bashing him for it and it seems pretty cold and callous and you know a pretty Trump way to go but mm -hmm. at the same time he's uh, you know he's right that um, Trump's and I'm not bashing the Trump administration the Trump administration they made a deal with the Taliban back sure. in February 2020. Let me rephrase that. I mean, let me just restate that. They made a deal with the Taliban. They didn't make a deal with the Afghan government. They made right. a deal with the Taliban. But it basically said not attack U.S. soldiers to get along with the Afghan government and, you know, work to make the country better. Um, didn't we have like some Taliban jackass in America at the White House? No, no. They were going to do that. Um Apparently, the Trump administration had invited Taliban leaders to meet at Camp David, yeah. which we won't get into that. But if you really know what Camp David is, and that just blows my fucking mind. But at any rate, um, that's a whole well, other podcast. Camp David's topic. supposed to be one of the most secure places in the country. Yeah. Like, <laughs> at any like, rate, he invited the be... Taliban there, which yeah. uh, they're not. Uh, that, that didn't happen. But then Mike Pompeo, who was Secretary of the State at the time, met with them in, in Doha, Qatar. And, you know, he didn't sign an agreement himself, but State Department representatives did sign the agreement with him. I'm sure he he didn't sign that for a reason. He knew what was coming. Um, but they signed an agreement with the Taliban. Now, once again, I don't think they knew that everything would collapse and fall apart that fast. But, you know, Joe Biden's right. You know, when 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 push come to shove and we said we're leaving and here's the date we're leaving, the, the, everybody in that country just freaked out. The police departments, the military instantly collapsed. Their president fled the country and ran. I think he's in, yeah. uh, where did he end up? Uh, UAE. UAE. UAE yeah. right now? He's um, in the UAE. Yeah. but Somebody else is in Qatar. What, hey, all these people are pissed. Yeah. What do you want us to do right now then? What do you think? Reinvade the country and retake mm -hmm. all that stuff? Retake right. Kandahar and retake Jalalabad? And, I mean, come on. I... You know, I think at this point, Biden just doesn't, he wants to be done with it. He's doing what no other president had the cojones to do. And and uh, he knows it's got to stop sometime. We could stay there forever. Like, he, I mean, he said something to the fact, what do you want to do? You want to stay another 10 days? You want to stay another 10 years, five years? Like, <laughs> we could be there forever. Like I said, this is why no president ended it, because they knew it would end in disaster. So I think, at this point, I think we should at least do the right thing and get as many of those people out as we can. All, all the people who helped us for sure. Um, and then I don't know where you draw the line. Right now, it's a, it's a terrible situation. We've sent over, what, six battalions to secure the airport. 
which that's a little over 4,000 troops. And that's 82nd Airborne. That's U.S. Marines. Those are those are ass kickers. And they're not going to take any shit. I mean, if the Taliban tries anything, start shooting at them, it's going to get ugly real quick. And, and we're going to win, not them, make no mistake. But the Taliban has that airport surrounded right now. So, you know, if there's still American citizens out there in the country, they're going to have a hard time getting in. Although we've told the Taliban, apparently, <laughs> to let we have they have to let any Americans in the airport. But they didn't make any deal like that for Afghan citizens. So it appears right now that there's a lot of Afghan citizens, ones who helped us, ones who work for us, who are trapped out in the cities and will not be able to go to the airport. And there's no way the, the Taliban's gonna let them, they're not gonna let them in the airport. They're not gonna let people leave that country. They don't want that to happen. I mean, they're, once again, they're- We, we didn't learn this lesson after well. the Persian Gulf War, or, or I should say the world didn't learn this lesson because the truth is America doesn't keep its promises to the people that we ask to help us. All right. Yeah. Look what happened. You know, you're going to go in the Persian Gulf War. We asked all those people to rise up against Saddam Hussein. And then we said, okay, he's out of Kuwait. We're going home. All right. And those people got brutally murdered. Uh, and that was on us, was not, in the North. not you and me, yeah. but that was on HW Bush. Yeah. Uh, and there are, there's a, uh, Barber here in Des Moines, uh, over on Windsor Heights, who uh, who was uh, who helped us in Iraq that I've interviewed before uh, when I was uh, stacking paragraphs for a living, and he was one of those people that got out. But one of the things that people don't understand is what you were talking about earlier: is some of the people who were helping us weren't good people, and them coming to this country would be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think it's reasonable for everyone to grieve what's happening to women and children and what's going to happen to people in Afghanistan as the Taliban takes over again. I think that's reasonable. But it's also reasonable to say there are many countries in this world that don't work the way our country does. Right. And what I, what I would hope the history's lesson from Afghanistan is, is you can't force people to go forward in time through development. And what I mean by that is you said, but yourself, um, they were living in the stone age and we were trying to bring them 21st century democracy. We were trying to bring them 21st century uh, capitalism. We were trying to bring them 21st century farming. And if you would, Lou, uh, tell Paul the the story. Tell the goat story. Yeah, tell him the goat story. You don't have to tell exactly what you were doing, but this is something that you observed in your duties uh, in, while you were deployed yes, in this, Afghanistan. This uh, happened in 2000, December 2010. I'll just say we had some high-ranking United States officials over there in a small village. We were... Oh, I don't remember where we were. I remember. Uh, it, we're Americans, Lou. We don't know where anything is. Right. Anyway. You, know, <laughs> we, you know, they had uh, on the website, like, oh, this province fell, this province fell. It's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know how many provinces there are. It's, I'm not uh, making this up. Broken we're, record. Being Paul, came, Paul came to visit me when I was working at USA Today, came up from Memphis. And uh, 
this reporter who was there at the same time I was from New Jersey, she said, oh, Iowa and Tennessee, are they like close to one another? That's America for you. Like right. that's, that's how fucking, that's our geography. It's like, oh, I, I've heard of Kabul. That's, that's right in the center, right? I don't know. Anyway, okay. it was, you were in, if you say if you were in Afghanistan, we're going to believe you because we don't know anybody. Yeah, that's good. That's good enough. We, we can picture that. We were in Afghanistan and we went out and we were meeting with some village leaders. And I'm pretty sure there were some Taliban folks there too. Um, they told us they would be there. Actually, I, at the time, I was with an army captain from Iowa named Daniel Witten. And Daniel would tragically lose his life two months after I was there um, in an IED attack on a vehicle he was in. He's the one, Dan, that they, uh, he was from Grimes. And um, they tried to name the, his family and friends tried to name the Johnston High School after him. Oh, I remember and I wish they'd have done that. But the school district, they didn't. They didn't want to do that. Um, there was a campaign, you know, this was like six, seven years ago, I want to say. But, I, I would have something to say to that, but I may need a job there. So, Right. <laughs> at, at any rate, um, Dan was with me. He was a great guy. He is small world. He knew um, he went he was a West Point graduate and graduated West Point with one of Grant's good buddies from high school. Mm. Um, and yeah, just a small world. So I met <laughs> just talking to Dan, met him, you know, talked to him and he, he knew a kid from Winterset, Iowa. And, and then he turned out Dan himself was from Grimes, went to high school at Johnston. Again, great guy, just a super guy, super charismatic. And yeah, I was so sad to learn of his passing. I, I think about him all the time. But um, we went, went into this meeting with some, like I said, local leaders. I'm pretty sure there's some Taliban guys there. And we were we were trying to um, get them from to stop growing the poppy seed. So in, in Afghanistan, poppy seed growing oh, is very yeah. prevalent. So they, you know, turn it into the world heroin market. And we're trying to get them to stop that, to cut back on the drug trade, to do the right thing for, you know, the world. And and we were giving them, um, the, the, the government officials are trying to give them, you know, grains, new stuff, new crops to plant, tractors, farm equipment. We're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars for the equipment and supplies. And... These these uh, local Afghan leaders kept bringing up the issue of of a goat, and apparently a few days before that, the U.S. Army and one of its Humvees accidentally ran over one of their goats, and they brought up the goat issue. And you know the 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 Army leaders and the folks who were there were saying, yes, you know, we apologize for your goat. We are very sorry. You know, our our soldiers did not mean to do that. We'll pay you for the goat. We'll, we'll take care of it. Any damages that occur, we'll buy you more goats. But here, let's talk about this. We want to hear how much, how much uh, seed do you think you'll need? How much land can you cultivate to make this work? How much equipment do you want? Well, you know, and they turned around and went back to, well, you know, your soldier hit our goat. And once again, <laughs> it goes back and they say, yeah, we know we're sorry. We're sorry for the goat. We'll pay you for the goat. We'll buy you 10 goats. How much, you know, once again, how much land can you cultivate? How much of this stuff do you need realistically? And we'll get it for you. And yeah, they, the, the, the Afghan said, but the goat, you know, the, the soldiers hit the goat. And this went on, no shit, for 25, 30 minutes. Them just keep bringing up this goat while our folks are offering them 100 grand worth of farm supplies, equipment, and they're all hung up on this goat. And that is... Yeah, to me, you know what I always found telling about that story is bad mentality of those people that live there, and I feel is, sorry for them. I do. Um, I, what I found I telling about that, <laughs> I've always found that story funny, but I've always found it telling, 
in the sense that here's what went wrong is we were trying to give them something they didn't understand. The goat gave them milk or the goat gave them meat. The goat was useful to them directly in their day-to-day life. Right. You roll in a brand new John Deere trailer fresh off the line and the Ankeny uh, plant, they don't know what the fuck to do with this. Right. If it breaks down, what, what, they don't have anyone who can fix it. Right. You know, uh, we're going to pave a bunch of roads, but they don't know how to fix the potholes. And I, I, Peter Buffett, who's uh, Warren Buffett's son, who's a farmer, and he does a lot of work in the Horn of Africa, where you've also been as part of your service. Um, and he's doing a lot of work on sustainable farming there. And he said he made the same mistake. He didn't relate it to the war, but he said when he took his charity there, he brought the most modern farming methods with him. And what he learned was it wouldn't work. It was un, it was unsustainable because they didn't have a John Deere parts store in the horn of Africa. They didn't right. have. So he said the next, what we learned from that was, uh, we start with primitive farming and we, go, we, we teach with the tools that they have. So if that means like an ox or a horse driven plow, that's what we're doing because right. at least we're, we're farming now. We're, we're learning how to put the seeds in the ground and grow shit. And then we'll get into the fertilizers and then we'll get into the nitrogens and so on. And uh, the, the, this was the mistake that America was making is thinking, that we could just bring them up to our level, you know, and I, I guess I don't want to say it that way in the sense that I consider my life superior to anybody else's life, but to change their culture so completely that they wanted Levi's and Pepsi like the rest of us, uh, that well, worked. That's the question. That's the question I have, like for, for you, Lewis, um, and based on your comment, like, oh, hey, do you want this antibiotic for your dying kid? And like, no, we're good. It, it sounds like a no, but uh, th- there's some images on Twitter um, today, or last couple of days. Uh, one was uh, some Taliban people at a gym, so they're like doing you know, free weights. And I saw that. I was on an elliptical treadmill, just kind of amusing, uh, just the image. Uh, today, there was an image of some guys eating some ice cream, some really impressive-looking ice cream cones. Um, you know, the, the Russians, we, we took Khrushchev to Disneyland, and um, you know, eventually they enjoyed the Levi jeans and so forth. Is, is there a chance for um, the Afghan people to get soft and embrace uh, capitalism? Is that, I think uh, if they saw it, if they saw it, yes. Um you know, and real quick, going back to what Dan was saying, Dan's exactly right. What the goat scenario, I've given that a lot of thought over the years. And, you know, it would be like aliens coming down here and landing in Des Moines and blowing up our fairway, our food source, and then saying, hey, here's this spaceship, just take it. And some credits from, you know, Xandar, and you're good, right? And we'd say, no, we'd like our fairway back. So what Dan just said is 100% correct. Um, give them a taste of capitalism. You know, we used to joke when we we're in Iraq that because a lot of those people over there are really angry and, you know, uh, you know, if you could give them a dose of that. And I think it was, a, I don't know if it was Lewis Black. There was some comedian though around the time who kind of did a joke that said, you know, what they need over there is a Hooters and it'll be fine. Sure. And I agree with that. They need a little taste of what it could be like and they'd be happy. So 
one of the one of the things I did in the army was uh, I took care of uh, high ranking folks when they came over and visited the United States, and I had the highest ranking. It'd be like the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff from Afghanistan, and he came over to America, and I took him around America for a week, and we went to New York City, and we went to some army bases. I think we took him to Fort Bragg, and we took him to um, Leavenworth in Kansas, and showed him the officer school, um, showed him some NCO academies, and just then took him out and showed him, you know, took him shopping. He and and he, my God, we went into a a clothing store. And he bought, I think he bought like 50 coats, as many sure. coats as he could grab, mm-hmm. adults and child sizes. And he was taking them all back to his friends and family because they didn't Take have Take note them. of this, Paul. Take note of this. Yeah, this was back in 2008 yeah. or nine, nine probably, 2009. This is an inside joke. Well, this, because when, it's an inside joke because I didn't pack a winter coat when I got. Yeah. Know, when he came up from Tennessee. Jackson, Tennessee to Des Moines. Yeah. Uh, in 1993, uh, he found himself with a windbreaker in December. That's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> he had to call home. We, we went out to Burlington. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's where I took, that's where we ended up with this, with this Afghan general was Burlington <laughs> Coat Factory. No shit. But he just loaded up on coats and brought them back home and was going to give them to everyone. And he bought all kinds of American stuff and took it back to them. And it's those Afghans, I think, who are most, uh, oh, you there? Yeah, we're here. Oh, okay. There was those Afghans who are most, prob- those are probably the ones who are trying to jump on the planes and want to get the hell out of there right now, are the ones who've lived in Kabul and, uh, you know, had a taste of, because Kabul is probably the, the biggest shining light in Afghanistan, at least as far as Western culture, that the most Western culture got there. That's where the universities are. I don't know if they had a university out in Jalalabad. I want to say they did, and maybe in Kandahar, but other than that, those rural areas, I mean, those people never even, I mean, when we'd go out there, they'd, you know, they'd look at us and, I mean, they'd look at us like we were aliens, which we pretty well, much were. Them. Education isn't even a priority, if I, if I understand. Those are the ones, who want, to to, are the ones like, who want to come to America right now, I would, I have no doubt. Yeah. I mean, as, as I understand it, education is, you know, uh, you know, obey the Koran and, you know, know your role and shut your mouth. Well, it hasn't been the last 15 years, you know, since we really started putting stuff in there, then, you know, girls did go to school there. They didn't mm-hmm. before 9-11. Right. Um, about, you know, by 2005, we'd start establishing schools and, you know, kicked the Taliban out and said, yeah, you know, anyone can go to school, especially women. Women don't have to wear their burqas and their hijabs and, you know, they can go live a normal life if they want to. And, and it was becoming, you know, it was slowly becoming Western. And that's why I think, Paul, to your point, yeah, they've got a lot of people who want to get the fuck out of there right now. Um, if nothing else, even if they're not afraid of getting killed, they don't want to be a part of what they know is coming with, you know, with the crazy. Oh, oh let me, gonna take right, over. Well, let, let me, the, let me ask you. Let me ask you this question, because uh, there was a Taliban leader that kind of gave a press conference. There was journalists there, and there were some statements like, uh, war is over, the war is over. Uh, civil servants, including women, continue to go to work. Uh, there was an appeal to Afghans for um, to not leave. Um, it, it, like there's this, you know, like the Sears campaign, the softer yeah. side of Sears. Is this BS? Is this uh, yeah, a stall? Is. Is what, what's, no, no. What's, 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 
is this a stall just so that they can get to the airport or what? what it is. Yeah, absolutely. They'll, okay. they'll try to be okay. cool for a while and pretend like everything's fine. Then once America completely leaves, then they'll, they'll start, you know, their violent tactics and, and, you know, to put people under their control. I mean, it's already started. I mean, I've watched that, that brave CNN reporter who's over there right now running around. Um, I, I don't know what her name is, but my God, I can't. Yeah, she went, it. she went from looking like, an everyday American woman to wearing the the headdresses in, in basically a day. Yeah. She's got the uh, ninja suit on. And, um, and yeah, <laughs> I saw some Afghan, some Taliban fighter came up and yelled at her in the street on a news report this morning and told her to put her, cover her face, screamed at her to cover her face and pulled out yeah. a gun and pointed a gun at him. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's coming. They're going to, they're going to bring the iron fist down as soon as we leave. They're not, I have no doubt about it, you know? Um, I think there may be, you know, maybe in the last 20 years, there's a chance that some of them might have lightened up a little bit. But for the most part, no, they're going to be they're going to take that place back over and do everything they used to do. Um, and it's, uh, once yeah, again, and I have got to decide if, you know, are we going to, you know, it's but, like the Neil Young song. I don't feel like Satan, but I guess I am to them. Right. Uh, it, I feel like uh, I feel like our generation uh specifically and the and those younger than us now know exactly what it felt like when america left vietnam and we were already a a year out of vietnam when the last chopper took off from the saigon embassy uh but we now have almost mirror images of you know there was those people clinging to the to the skids of the chopper in 75 well, that we, were, we were born. Well, I I wasn't in Vietnam, so I I I won't speak to that too much. But if I no, but what I'm saying is we we now we have the people hanging on to the the big uh, transport jet, right? It's it falling off, and you know, looks horrible. What 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 we have though is uh, once again an image of Americans' uh, inability. Uh, or hubris, I guess I would say, to because and again, I want to say this very carefully. I don't bear any animus to anyone who fought that war, and anyone and anyone who fought that war who's hurting today because they lost people, because they saw things that they can't unsee, or because they know people who are going to suffer because of this. I I, I bleed for them. I do. I'm, I've never served. Uh, I wouldn't have been a good military person. Um, you know, I, I respect those who, who uh, lived that life. And generally, I defer to that uh, point of view, to their point of view, because they were front and center in ways that I would never be. Um, but I also think uh, we're always doing this historically speaking we're fucking around in countries that we don't understand very well and trying to do things that don't work you know paul and i talked about this on our last podcast when we were kids in 75 when we were there was the shah of iran which was our cai guy cia guy our yep. propped up dictator the uh people in iran got sick of his ass he was a brutal, murderous dictator. They ran him out, and that led to the reign of a Ayatollah, the Ayatollah Khomeini, who turned that into 
a uh, sectarian country. And we were like, oh, shit, we need a friend in the region. So we went next door to Iraq and we propped up a guy named Saddam Hussein, who was also a brutal murderer of his own people. But he was basically he's secular. One of our guys. And he was also our guy. And then our first go around fucking around in Afghanistan, at least in our lifetime, was the Russians wanted it for some reason. Rare earth metal, whatever. I don't know. And we were, well, uh, oh, if the Russians I've wanted it, I've they got a question on that. But. Yeah. But uh, we, we, so we trained a group of uh, commandos uh, to repel the Russians. And that worked. We now know those guys as the Taliban. And the very best fucking one of those guys was Osama bin Laden, who orchestrated the 9-11 attacks. The Mujahideen kind of transformed into Al-Qaeda, not the Taliban. Once again, the Taliban... I, I apologize. That's what I meant, Al-Qaeda. They kind uh, of turned into Al-Qaeda. Uh, that's, that's what I meant. I misspoke. Uh, bin Laden was there in his younger days, yes. So what I'm getting at is this is, this is another tragic example of American arrogance. Uh, where we use we use our military, who, who's when you took your oath, it said I'm pretty sure to defend the constitutions from threats domestic and abroad, and, and of, of words to that effect. Correct. This was not defending the, the original mission was we'll go kill that motherfucker who 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 killed our guys, uh, but what we've been doing for the last 19 years or at least the last 10 years since bin Laden died, that's not, that's enforcing our political will. That's not defending the constitution. Uh, And that's what makes me sad is that people won't remember that because we never learned that fucking lesson. And then we do the same thing. And in five years or less, we'll do the same thing somewhere else. Yeah. The troops I talked to the last time I was there in 2010, and that's when I decided to leave and get out. Um, a lot of them were frustrated. I remember some specifically saying to me, uh, if Al-Qaeda is here or there's a Taliban here, then they're a fictional character. I'm more likely to see a leprechaun than that because they weren't doing nothing. And the only people that were fighting them were people who had risen up, you know, after the fact. We'd At that point, we'd killed all the Al-Qaeda fighters there, chased them into Pakistan. And, uh, you know, there was the only people giving a shit were, you know, yeah, Taliban groups who were basically, you know, the next generation, people, kids coming up, being raised, thinking that, you know, living under the, the guise of their fathers who, you know, were religious nuts and said, you know, the American imperialists are here and we should kick them out of our country. But, you know, we were fighting like farmers and shit. It was regular people. It would be like if Russia came in and invaded here and said, we're going to kick out all the bad people for you Americans, but we're going to stay here. You know, eventually some of us would rise up and fight them. And that's kind of what was happening in Afghanistan. It, it seemed it seemed pointless in 2010 to be there. But, you know, I will stand by that statement I said earlier that I think that no president wanted to leave because they knew this would happen. It would just collapse on itself, that they would, the Taliban would take back over anyway. And like I said, I think Biden just is out of fucks to give and says, screw it. We're, and, and he brought up a good point the other day. People called his uh, remarks callous <laughs> that he did with Stephanopoulos, but uh a lot of troops used to say that uh, a lot of the people in Iraq and Afghanistan would vent to me and say, you know, if these people aren't willing to fight for their country, then what the fuck are we doing here? Why should we fight for their country if they're not going to fight for themselves? Because we did see most of them as lazy and adept and, and not, you know, not competent at uh, 
taking over when we, if we ever did leave. And, uh, and that's exactly what Biden said the other day is that, and that's what happened, you know, that they're not going to fight for their country. Then why should we? So, you know, I'm on his side on halfway, but at the same time, I'm, you know, I don't want to see any women and children or, you know, men in any innocent people get murdered by some fascist religious cult. So I don't know, like America is just going to have to decide what it wants to do. If it's going to stomach, if it wants to go back over there and start this war all over again to fight the Taliban, because we'll be there forever. We'll never get rid of them. Like I said, it'd be like if you wanted to, it'd be like if you wanted to eradicate organized religion in the United States, somebody can tell me how to do that. You know, <laughs> they'd, uh, I, I want to get to Paul's question because Paul and I have always, I always sort of sit here, uh, wondering what, what the fuck is it with Afghanistan? Cause topographically it's not exactly the uh the cayman islands oh it's a wasteland yeah it's it's uh yeah but there was paul there was some story about china paul well there was a there was a tweet i saw the other day and it was like uh like the the effect of of our engagement there the 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 service been lost the 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 amount of money spent on it we've left um and the, the first sentence of it was like, China's going to swoop in and, and get these rare earth metals. Um, so my question is, like, if that was a deal, if that was available, that option, just go in and buy the, this stuff that helps to make the electronic vehicles, or you know, why didn't we do that? And what? Well, I'm not so sure. Why, we why? I, I know what you're talking about, Paul, and it was, I don't remember if it was the last couple of years, I, I want to say it's the last couple of years I was in in the army. Uh, I remember that news story broke though, that they'd found the largest vein of lithium in the world in Afghanistan. Oh, sure. Yeah. And lithium is what obviously they use for batteries. Um, the batteries in your cell phone, the batteries in your shit, your batteries in your everything, your DeWalt drilled it. I mean, now cars. So, and obviously that's where technology is going. Battery technology is huge. And people the last 15 years have been trying to make a battery more powerful and smaller. That's the goal. And they have, um, so, you know, at the time, I remember questioning that. Is that why we're here? Is that why we're, we've stayed here and never left because we're after this? I don't know that. I, I never saw any, you know, battery miners, lithium miners there in the country. I can't imagine going well, my, Sure. Well, my question is, why, why, why will they, why, why does China want to do this? Why does Afghan, Afghanistan want to deal with China? I guess they, they haven't run over any of their goats yet. Um, well, I don't think they want. Did we not want to do it because it was a bad, uh, bad optics. The Afghans uh, don't want anybody like, in the country. Like, bottom line, and I did see yeah. some. Uh, I know China issued a statement. I think it was earlier this summer that said something to the effect of Americans, you know, shouldn't be involved in making decisions. Maybe it was a few years ago, but Americans yeah. shouldn't be involved in making decisions in Asian countries. Asian countries should make decisions about Asian countries, which, you know. <laughs> That's kind of hard to argue. China or Russia don't, neither one of those countries want us in Afghanistan. Why? Because it's, you know, strategically speaking, it's right there on their back doorstep. If the state, it could be a staging ground. I'm sure they have paranoia that we're going to invade their countries, which we're not, but um, I'm sure they have some paranoia that someday we would. I mean, at a minimum, we could have, you know. But isn't that what caused the Cuban Missile Crisis? I mean, we weren't going to let Russia put nukes in, in Cuba. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm not saying that I agree with the Russians or I'm pro-Russian or pro-Chinese, but I, it's hard for me to argue that Asian countries shouldn't decide for themselves how they're going to be. Right. Uh, you know, we have enough 
I am not one of these people that says America shouldn't be involved in global issues because that's insane, uh, especially with all the climate changes we face and all of the uh, economic volatility that's not related to just what we're doing in Detroit and Pennsylvania and uh, yeah. Iowa farms anymore. But I am a person well, yeah, who says, I, I, I am a person who says. If virus in China, then uh, <laughs> it could spread to us. You've seen that. But right. Uh, that's a global thing. Sure. Uh, I, I am a person who says, uh, I would prefer the governor of Iowa deploy uh, the National Guard after the derecho than deploy uh, state troopers to the border of Texas to just as a show of dumbass fuckery uh and at a, at a macro scale i would prefer that the united states spend more time on defense and less time on offense uh when it comes to uh militaries i'm not stupid enough to think that there isn't things that need to be done to keep america safe i it just like we like to pretend that torture was invented with this war well, you read the files of the uh, the Secret Service or whatever the organization was called during World War II. You read what some of those guys had to do to get shit out of Germans in Europe, and you will realize every war involves some horrible stuff. Yeah, it's war. Right. It's not fun. Uh, it's not. It's not what they show in the movies. <laughs> it's uh, uh, it's, it's, awful. it's actually quite awful. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I never, I am not, we've been friends since Cub Scouts, since we were, you know, knee high to grasshoppers. So I'm just going to say, I'm, I I admire the fact that you chose to join and serve after 9-11 because it, uh, it it takes something inside of a person to say, uh, we're going to war. I know it. And I want to, I want in on that. I don't have it. I'm a big coward. Uh, uh, I don't even want to go to Evelyn Davis Park. Um, th- that being said, uh, whatever you're feeling today, uh, I'm, uh, I, and I think it's some am- a great amount of ambivalence. Uh, I'm sorry for that because, you know, it's not your fault. It's just how things worked, it worked out. And it was uh, some things are always going to end badly. And we always, all of our movies, you know, in the end, the Avengers brought everybody back. That's not how life works. You know, I'm okay. I'm not, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not upset that, that, you know, that, you know, I've seen a lot of folks that are, I've seen some veterans give some interviews that they're angry at, you know, questioning what their service was for. And like I said earlier, you know, we, we all did our job there. Our job was to root out Al Qaeda and get bin Laden. You know, we got bin Laden 10 years ago. Um, We got Al Qaeda more than 10 years ago. They were gone. Um, you know, if no one should be ashamed of their service or, you know, question what they did, I understand them doing it. I get it. But at the same time, you know, our, once again, our, our mission was not to, to wipe out the Taliban. It was not to nation build. It was to get the bad people that committed nine 11. There was never any, you can go back and look at any president who served, you know, back to Bush and Cheney. There was no mission statement said we were going to wipe out the Taliban, uh, and so that the fact that they're taking over where it's sad, um, it's, I knew it was all going to happen. A lot of us knew it was always going to happen. And, 
you know, that's that's the country. Once again, that's the way that country chose to go. It had 20 years of us there. Mm-hmm. And if we couldn't convert there, and, you know, once and I've heard, too, that, you know, our Iraq, the mission was to win the hearts and minds. Uh, we weren't the, the mission in Afghanistan was not to win the hearts and minds. It was to root out the, the terrorism problem. So, I mean, we tried. I know there's lots of soldiers that went over there and gave it their all and tried to win hearts and minds and made friends. And and, and that's great. Um and I feel for those people who are stuck over there, but at the same time, you know, this has to end sometime. We can't stay. I don't, I don't want my children going over there. I don't want my grandchildren going over there. You know, I really would be saying what the point, what is the point if my son has to go over there? There is uh, there's nothing you're ever going to do. That's going to make the Taliban just go away. And if the collective sense you know, of the, of that country is that, you know, they're okay with that, which apparently they are, they're not standing up and fighting them, then I don't know what else we can do to help them. All right. Thanks, Lou. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and maybe do something a little bit fun. More to come. Stay where you are. If we did not do something fun while you were with us, because, uh, be, because yeah, normally normally we're like, oh, here a zero head did a story about a skywriting penis um, <laughs> from some pilot who wanted to support some stupid thing. That's more our vibe. This is yeah, right, fart. right, <laughs> right. I mean, if we could get some uh, farts and armpit noises here, we'd be good. But. Both, all three of us have one thing in common, and then that is our love of uh, G.I. Joe. Oh, uh, right on. Lou, uh, Lou uh, and his brother Grant had probably the biggest collection of G.I. Joe guys in our small town in Winterset. Um, there may have been a, there may have been families who had like, uh, you guys didn't have the aircraft. Who had the aircraft? You didn't have the aircraft carrier. No, Big Lou wasn't going that far. <laughs> we couldn't sell him on that, and he was a Navy man, and we couldn't sell him on that. Yeah, but it was. I think it was. I think it. 
Thought we had that fucker for sure, but no, he didn't. Uh, I think the thing was for Lou was it was four or four and a half feet long and he'd already sort of seated the entire floor of the living room to this shit. He was like, no, I'm not. Yeah. No. It's pretty much covered at all times. Uh, but uh, I, I want to uh, Paul uh, like I am is a fan of Larry Hama who wrote the comics. Right. And he also right. wrote the, the file card. Uh, right. We're on the on the back of the car, and Paul is a huge fan of the cards. So, uh, stepping away from real war to play war, uh, I wanna I wanna hear from each of your guys. I know Paul's answer. I don't know your answer. Uh, setting aside Snake Eyes, which is everybody's favorite in some way, uh, just because did, did you know that they made Snake Eyes because they just needed they needed one more figure to fill out the first 13 guys or whatever. And so that was just a generic figure they had. They said, well, we'll paint him black, call him a commando. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Is he the equivalent of the, the, the fifth guy from uh, um, uh, Masters of the Universe? Yeah, Zodak or whatever his name was. Yeah, like we need another guy. Let's make that guy. We don't, he's not even in the cartoon. We don't know what the fuck his deal is, but Here's that guy. Uh, yeah, that's how they made Snake Eyes. He became the most popular character, and he had the least detail. It's like, well, he had an Uzi and like a, a bag of grenades. Right. Uh, and he, he was the most popular guy, and he was the best comic book character. And he couldn't even talk. He was right. Cr- he cr- couldn't even talk. Mysterious. The, it's like, well, we made that guy into a ninja. That was badass. And I've not seen the movie yet. Have you guys seen the movie? You probably have. I have not. It. it it didn't, strike me as, it didn't strike me as need to go to the theater material. I think it's already escaped the theaters, or at least yeah. when I looked the other night to go take the kids, it was on, like, the show times were like 8.45 or something and 11 o'clock in the morning. And like, I, oh, I think... not making I, that. The thing is, they made the, the other two G.I. Joe movies were so bad. Yeah, they the second, did terrible. The second one was much better than the first, but still, they were so bad. It... it Paul and I always talk about this is like they all they need to do is hire Larry Hammer. Right. Like, he, he can write the fucking script uh, and, that will make the movie that people want to see. Right. Just like, I don't know why it's so hard to make a good Transformers movie. Like finally they get it kind of right with Bumblebee and they, then the franchise is ruined. You right. Know? <laughs> so so it, as it stands, the, Paul was not a Transformers guy. But as it stands, the best movie about the Transformers is a is a shitty ass animated cartoon from 1986 where they had the balls to kill ch- characters that children loved on shitty screen. Ass. That was some of the best animation ever. What are you talking about? Shitty ass for for the, for its time, <laughs> oh. but it's not like fucking Pixar. It's oh. like wow, it, wow, that's great. I pre- I prefer that in animation to Pixar myself. <laughs> sure, I no, I know what you're saying, but I'm just saying like. If you were to show that to a kid, one of your kids, they'd be like, "What the fuck, Dad? Why are you Why are you crying?" It's like <laughs> Optimus Prime just died. <laughs> so I want to hear from each of you. I'll start with you, Lou, because you're an actual soldier. Which GI Joe guy was was your man? My favorite. Oh God! So the first one I ever got, I remember vividly, was Rock and Roll. Yeah, I got him at Ben Franklin. <laughs> Because Jay Safford, who lived across the street from me, a good friend of mine, 
he had gone up there and got, he had, I think he had Grunt and Snake Eyes and Scarlet. Yeah. And I went over to his house and saw these things. I remember this like it was yesterday. And I'm like, holy shit. Uh, I got to go. Where'd you get these? And Ben Franklin. So next day I pedaled my little bike up there with my $2 I'd saved up and bought me rock and roll. And uh, so like he kind of holds a special place in my heart because he was my first. Yeah. Uh, he broke your G.I. Joe cherry. All time he did. Uh, all time favorite guy. Gosh, I would back when I was a kid. I loved wetsuit. I thought he was. I thought he was really great. Um, the, the, with like the, he was the underwater guy with the. They have, they have the. They have the flippers. Yeah, he had the flippers and the green and orange suit. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I loved him. I loved that era of him. Um, but growing, kind of as I got older. What the guys that kept coming out, I kind of slowed down and buying them. Grant kept getting them, but even as an adult, I still we still have him. The, my favorite character was that uh, that stalker that came out that had the kayak and the 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 uh, winter gear. Oh yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Yeah, the camo I had that. The, I had that. Camo yeah. cap and the the white uh, yeah. coat and came with that kayak and that cool kind of M4 gun with a scope. I think yeah. that I think that figure is one of the coolest figures ever made. I, don't, I, I didn't understand why stalker was in like arctic gear but i liked it the fact that it basically came with a vehicle yeah. yeah the infantry fights in the arctic they fight anywhere <laughs> yeah right on uh i know paul's answer to this question i i my I, my first guy was stalker the original stalker not the original stalker my stalker had swivel arm grip so he was like yep. stalker 2.0 because the, the first 13 didn't have the swivel arm. And then they re-released them the next year all with swivel arm. And Stalker was my favorite. I always liked him because I, I got that and, like, the motorcycle. And I got – I didn't get the Jeep because it was sold out. But I got the thing that went behind the Jeep, the laser thing mm -hmm. that came with a guy. And I got Snake Eyes for Christmas. Uh, the like that first GI Joe year, like '82 maybe. Yep. And my Snake Eyes was not swivel arm grip, and neither was my Cobra bad guy. And he had to sort of pretend like there was no such thing as army building when you were when we when we were seven. Right, we couldn't you just, you that. just you just had one Cobra guy, and you pretended he was like forty-five Cobra guys. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but I uh, I loved the look of the Cobra uniform that uh, dark blue with the red uh, Cobra insignia. Uh, I think my all-time favorite character, though, is Spirit, because he comes from either Oklahoma or New Mexico, yeah. and it talks about how dirt, the car talks about how fucking he, poor he was. They So poor he didn't realize he was poor. Yeah, and uh, like the army was one of the few like options that he had. And I, what I liked about that, even as a kid, is I thought this seems really realistic. Like this is what a guy would do if you were in this situation. And then as I got older, I thought about the irony of, of an, of an, a native American joining the army, given our history. That being said, like he, he both in his in original incarnation, I think he was part of the 85 line. Um, yeah. And he had 85, 84, 85, I don't know which, but he had that weird gun that apparently fired arrows. He had a cool backpack. 
uh, and he had the eagle freedom, which I thought was cool. Which I immediately broke the thing that connected to his hand off of because kids. Right. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed the that figure, the color of it, the the the, the hair, the braided hair you know, all of that stuff that I just really enjoyed the, the idea of that figure. Uh, it probably makes me racist now because everything does, but spirit was my guy. Um, I, I also had a real soft spot for uh, low light, which you gave me the modern version of him, which is like this amazing figure with so much stuff. Yeah. They did not I, I didn't open oh, him because oh, I was oh, going to oh, low light was a sniper. I don't know what they called him. Oh yeah. I don't think they had the guts to call him a sniper on a kid's toy, but uh, <laughs> you know, Oh, what'd you get for Christmas? Oh, I got a sniper. Like, Oh, why don't you go on down and talk to Mr. Mr. Mains uh, about your family situation. But uh, he, uh, he, he came with like a light with a, with a gun, with a scope, like, the modern one, like the 25th anniversary or 30th anniversary one, Lou gave to me as a birthday present several years ago, and it it's got like a bot like little boxes with where it shows it's taking he's taking a shell out to fire, and it comes with like the thing where you track the wind speed, and I mean uh, it's an amazing figure. Wow. Uh, I I have it up on my wall uh, here. The only other one I have up on my wall is Sergeant Slaughter because I was. I was really into wrestling uh, back in the day. We used to, I think we got the like WrestleMania three. Didn't your dad buy that for a bunch of us? We watched it at your house. We I was got, into wrestling. I'll say we got one of them once. One of those. It was the one I know we watched the one where Hulk Hogan slammed Andre, uh, Andre the giant. I know Andre. we watched it and a bunch of us were over like right getting, around. We were getting high on Mountain Dew and Kool-Aid and 85 or six, something like that. Maybe. 85. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, your mom made some tater tot casserole and that cherry thing that she used to make. Cherry oh, was, oh, that fucking thing was good. God yeah. damn it. That was good. That's like why that. I have diabetes. Is that that mm-hmm. right there? Um, so, Paul, what, who was your guy? Uh, who was your, well, your first uh, guy? And then who was your well, favorite uh, guy? Well, to discuss, oh, well, to discuss what you guys have talked about, I, I think I think you you mentioned the maybe the Joe underwater guy, but the the Cobra one, I think it had the spear gun, which I always thought was a cool. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what were those cool eels? Weapon to Cobra come eels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And spirit, spirit, I do like because uh, he 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 got a lot of play in the cartoon. Uh, yeah. Uh, series. Um, he got the play that I, Snake Eyes should have gotten. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember what my first toy was uh, figure. Um, it it could have been one of the vehicles, uh, like what the the, the, the jeep. jeep. Oh, that would have been clutch. Uh, but but um, as as far as the the favorite, and I kind of uh, rank it based on the card, like what's yeah. the narrative on the card. Um, Ace was cool. It, it, A was the the biggest like toy that I got in the like it was a great big plane and it was probably a Christmas present. But the card was cool because he gambled 
which was apparently a violation of military rules, but they let it go because he never lost. And uh, that, that feels pretty good. That's not against military rules. <laughs> that that well, just the concept of like sure. here's this rule, but we're gonna break it anyway. Yep. Feels very military to me. Uh, I, I don't know if you watched any of uh, Generation Kill on HBO, uh-uh. uh, but that card kind of reminds me of the pilot where um, they're right on um, the the precipice of of the invasion. Like they've they've camped there and they've done all the prep stuff, and uh, someone had a cappuccino maker that malfunctioned and it it uh, injured. Uh, the guy's driver, he's like, oh, shit, my, my driver's, he's going to just get booted out because he's broken this rule. And the uh, the squad leader goes to the, the head guys, and it's like, oh, they were operating a, a cook fire outside the tent, outside the tent using the right protocols, and it was a catastrophic failure and swift action of the, the troops. They minimized the results. And they're listening to this like, oh, this is bullshit, but we're, we're going to let it go. <laughs> right. uh, that, that, feels, that felt very military, and so did Ace. Like, yeah, he, he broke the rule, but we're going to let it go. Uh, he just never loses. We're just going to allow this to happen. He's a good pilot. Now, I don't. I, got, I, I take credit for uh, getting Lou into comic books, because I was the comic book guy yep, in our group bad. of friends. And I was reading the comics at the same time because originally the commercials were animated and they were promoting the comic book and then they promoted the toys and then the actual animated series came and that became what everybody watched. But I was reading the comics and in the comics, like people died like all the time. Uh, And they would, they would just like they did in that 1986 Transformers movies. Like when they needed to make room for more characters, they just killed a bunch of the old guy. Right. Uh, but uh, I remember uh, it was way darker. Like, and when I say dark, I mean more realistic. Like, there was a, a story in the first GI Joe annual where like Scarlet and Rock and Roll are and Snake Eyes are trying to transport this package, and it needs to get to the airport for some huge diplomatic whatever the fuck. And they're pinned down by bad guys. I don't even think it was Cobra. It was just bad guys. And Scarlet's like, well, I've got my, you know, Derringer here. And it's got two bullets in it. If it gets to that, you know, we're not being taken. And, you know, like they're out of bullets and they're coming over the hill. And then Snake Eyes comes and mows all these fuckers down. And it's it's oh. fine. Uh, but uh, the the comic really helped shape me my opinion of the characters in ways that like the uh the cartoon didn't like the cartoon uh, kind of annoyed me because it was always centered around fucking shipwreck uh who was the who was like not an interesting toy he'd be be dancing in a club with with, the dog would be dancing yeah uh somehow that was a uh I don't know what military protocol is on pets, but GI Joe had a real problem with pets. Like everybody, everybody had a dog or a parrot, you know, uh, that, that was, that was not my, uh, favorite part of the cartoon. Uh, but 
Lou, you turned my mind around on one thing. It was the G.I. Joe movie, the cartoon movie. Yep, I love the movie. I hated it when it first came out. Hated it. I thought, what the fuck is this? These because it because it went like hard sci-fi. I, Paul, have you ever seen it? Uh, is this what the Weather Dominator? Or no, no. It's it, it was like a feature. It was like a feature-length cartoon. I don't know if it ever went to theaters or went straight to video or what. I think it went straight to video. It came out after uh, Transformers the movie and. Yeah, Transformers the movie kind of it didn't do that good in theaters, so they just sent yeah. it right to they sent GI Joe the movie right to video. Well, there are all these stories about Transformers the movies where when Optimus Prime died, kids are screaming and crying in the in the <laughs> yeah, in the theater. Nobody wanted to go. Like I'll admit, I I remember when it came out and hearing that he died in it, and like I didn't have any desire to go see it in the theater. I didn't. Right. Right. I, I, later, I didn't see it until thought, it came out on VHS. Thought it was one and of the even then, ever, so. and, and even then it is choked it, me up. What is that the movie where uh, the Citizen Kane director was the planet? Yeah, Orson Welles yeah, plays Orson Welles. It was okay. his last performance. Yeah. Right. His last yeah. screen role was as the voice of a giant transforming planet in Transformers the movie. Like Leonard Nimoy was the voice of Galvatron. Uh, the guy from the Breakfast Club, the uh, Judd, Nelson. Judd Nelson. Yeah, he was the voice Don of Hot Rod. <laughs> you know, uh, Eric Idle from Monty Python was the voice yep. of Rekgar. One of wow. one of the songs in the movie was from Weird Al, "Dare to Be Stupid," which is the Jordan family crest, isn't it? It's like Dare to be stupid. It is. That's our that's our anthem. <laughs> but so the the GI Joe movie came out, and I didn't like it because. The cartoon was always a little bit sci-fi, like giant monsters and whatever. And this went hard sci-fi. Like Cobra Commander was uh, like a like a part snake man and had multiple eyes oh. under his chrome face. That's, uh, that presaged that uh, V, the planet thing. With the, yeah, I think it was way after the V. Lizard? V was, oh, oh, v was okay. like 1983. Yeah. But like, yeah. Then there were all these like super powered, co- like I don't know what their origin were. I don't remember what their origin, but they were all like these super powered like snake characters. Uh, like mm-hmm. the main guy was like a giant snake who was voiced by Burgess Meredith. Uh, oh, good. You know, the fucking <laughs> penguin. <laughs> he's he's voicing this this character, and yeah. there's all these these other snake themed things and. I didn't like it at first, but I've watched it since then. And if for no other reason, the first like opening homage, five, 10 minutes is just like epic G.I. Joe versus Cobra throwdown in front of the Statue of Liberty. And it's fucking great. I could watch I could watch that on a loop all day long. That animation was even better than the movie itself. Like that was really cool. Yeah. And then it but the thing that go ahead, Paul. Well, I can see Burgess Meredith as a snake because his skin is kind of leathery. That's, that's all I have to say about that good casting choice. It's especially leathery now because he's been dead for about 15 years. But Right. right. Uh, uh, but the thing that I uh, that you can tell watching that movie is Duke gets shot. Like they had Don Johnson yeah. of Miami Vice voicing this Duke new character. Duke the truck driver. Yeah, fuck off. For some reason... For some reason Paul won't let go of the idea that he thinks Duke was a truck driver. And I'm like, it was Hawk. On the card. 
Oh, he doesn't drive a truck and it's not on the card. Well, I don't think so. I just remember in the car on the card he was from St. Louis and in the cartoon he was from Iowa. Was he really? Yeah. yeah. I never heard I knew it was on the card for sure, St. Louis. The first yeah, the first uh whatever, the first five episodes that came out. Yeah. The, the mask device. Yeah. In that they when they I don't know, they put a thing on him that makes him remember his childhood and he and he says back when he talked about when he grew up in Iowa as a kid. Uh, I remember, I remember those five episodes. Why join the most, most things I've ever seen. Uh, that was the, the, that five, those five episodes were like, they were mind blowing because they were way better than like Spider-Man and his amazing friends and all the stuff that I'd really liked before that. It was like, what is this ongoing narrative with, cliffhangers every day uh, i remember running home from the bus i mean such as i ever ran to uh to get to the tv so that i could catch that on time uh but anyway in the movie the 1987 movie duke gets shot uh or he doesn't get shot he gets poked through the chest by one of these snake dudes the the snake yeah yeah and uh this new character named Lieutenant Falcon voiced by Miami vice is Don Johnson, uh, which just goes to show you if they'll cut you a check, you'll show up. And, uh, he was, he was somehow like Duke's half brother or some bullshit. Anyway, it was so clear that Duke was supposed to die from that, but because kids like a year before had flipped out because Osama or because, uh, Optimus prime, died and all those other characters died like ironhide and ratchet and prowl all the characters that we had since 84 were dead now uh they they chickened out and they changed the ending and they were like uh okay uh, good news everybody duke made it you know uh which was which is kind of a cheat because if you look at it it's like he's clearly supposed to die which would make paul happy because paul hates duke <laughs> I just felt I just felt he was over promoted for a truck driver. He's like there'd be more qualified people. <laughs> he's a, he's an army airborne. He's army airborne. He's well, the card the card suggested he was just a truck driver, which no problem with that. Just like listen, listen I've had more before he transferred yeah. to the eighty second. I don't know that can, that can happen. That I'm, can happen. Going, uh, <laughs> listen, listen, I'm, I'm going to yojo.com right now. Yeah, <laughs> we. <laughs> We are going to settle this motherfucker for all, all time where we have a real, real American hero on the line. Uh, let's see here. G.I. Joe database, toys, three and three quarter figures. See, the thing was Hawk. The original Hawk came with like the missile thing in 82. Yeah. Uh, but Duke who I believe was created for the cartoon was a Malian, like Major Blood, originally. Then you could get him on car. Yeah, I tell you, Duke first came out mail order only. All right, I found it. Primary military specialty is airborne infantrymen. Second military, secondary military specialties, artillery, small arms, small arms armorer. Yeah. Are you, are you happy now, Paul? Born in St. Louis, Missouri, grade E6 with oh no, E8 Master Sergeant. They do have that right. Uh, went to Vietnam. It's hilarious. You read these car, you read these uh, 
cards. Most of the time, they don't call it Vietnam. They call it the Asian conflict uh, on, on most of these cards. He was in Special Forces in 1969, worked with tribesmen in the boonies of South Vietnam. Ran four that show, that, Special Forces. You know, reading, the, reading that shows how fucking old we are. Right. Because for us, like a guy who fought in Vietnam was a guy you just see every day. And now those guys are all in their 70s and 80s. Right. Yeah. You know, I wonder like, if they'll make new GI Joes and have them serve in Iraq and Afghanistan, or they should start a whole new. This is the opportunity to start. <laughs> I, a new I, I buy them now. And cartoon. Uh, Hasbro, if you're listening, get with it. Let's I don't want Hasbro involved with it because they don't make the products that they make now available. That's true. They don't sell anything anymore. They put a couple of them out there and. Then you have to buy them uh, on eBay for four hundred dollars a piece. So Jesus, yeah. Good luck finding okay. that beachhead Hasbro uh, from Target. Yeah, yeah, right on. That's why people like Paul are are fine. Paul is not a Paul is not into nostalgia at all. Like in terms of his buying power, uh, uh, Paul just buys uh, larger and larger headphones to block out the noise, uh, either at home or at work. That's not a bad idea. He's got. Uh, I, got, I, feel, I feel like I would be tempted by by uh, GI Joe uh, toys. Uh, it, it's always the thing you didn't quite get enough out of when you were a kid. That uh, that's true. Uh, you ought to if when uh, next time you're up, we'll go over to we'll go down to Lou's house. Uh, I can't. I don't want to disclose this on the podcast, but there's sure. there's some buttons that need to be pushed and some things that have to be slid aside. But you go into a secret room that's. Yeah. It, that's magic it's like you're in, children, toy chest. you're in fucking 80s. children's palace is what you are museum. yeah and i don't know if you remember children's palace but lou does like people talk about toys r us fondly fuck toys r us the greatest toy store ever was children's palace it was because yeah. they had they had everything you ever wanted floor to ceiling like they, like if there was a thing like masters of the universe had a whole aisle of it they had 500 they had, of them yeah, they had ten of every fucking god, like uh, and GI Joe, whole aisle of GI Joe, not not like a section of an aisle, a whole fucking aisle of them. Uh, stuff you hadn't even heard of, didn't even know was coming out yet, was at Children's Palace. Going to Children's Palace was like like you needed to block out like a full hour, hour and a half. You know, you needed you needed to go to Children's Palace and test your parents' patience. Right. waiting around because there was so much shit to look at they lot. also sold like bicycles and like they had every fucking thing there uh lunch boxes whatever whatever toys r us on a grander scale though yeah it was it was wonderful it went out of business way before toys r us but uh it, it was a great toy store and whenever i passed that building which is i don't know some fucking womanly thing now uh it could be time, something like something in time, T Y M E. Yeah, it's yeah, whatever the fuck. It's not something I'm going to go to. Uh, I, I I think back to those days of how excited I was to pull up in the parking lot in my dad's station wagon because we were going to the mecca. It was like going to church, capitalism church is what it was. All right, Paul, you got anything to add? Uh, no, no, this, this was a departure, but, uh, we, we've, we've kind of dipped into this whole, um, 
news cycle, which is strange for us because we're generally non-news, but it's been good, and I'm glad we uh, we went uh, uh, capped it off with kind of a, a fun nostalgia thing at the end. Uh, well, Lou, you're you're welcome uh, back anytime. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. I'll, I I yeah, I'd come back anytime. Like say we could talk funny stuff and and uh, yeah, remind me. You know, I could tell I, I could tell the story of the. Uh, so when I did have the Afghan general here, we stayed the night in a haunted house. And I'm not shitting you. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I can tell that story. I got lots of funny stories. Just because he was homesick? Like that felt more natural? <laughs> yeah, the supernatural and the army combined. And yeah, it, it, it was legit. I'm telling you. But anyway. Here's the hilarious <laughs> part of that. Is that, is that Lewis, uh, I've, I've sent you articles about Lou. Some that I've written uh, about... He he's like more into Halloween than fucking Sam Hain. Like uh, he, he in his old place in Urbandale, he made this yard haunt with zombies and some fucking monsters from Scooby Doo and a pirate ship and like uh, robot guys doing stuff and talking. Uh, Lou's like an Imaginarium guy from. He should be working for Disney uh, instead of checking out medicaid fraud but whatever uh so for the the idea that while he was in the military he he ended up at a haunted house with a uh high level military official is just so perfect i can't even describe it (laughs) (laughs) well paul and i will be back uh with another segment probably on friday or saturday whenever the uh, anastasia wears off uh, and I'm able to sit upright uh, and uh, talk sensibly. But boys, it was a wonderful conversation, and we'll have Lou back uh, often to be funnier. All right, you know. yeah. sure. <laughs> All right, have a good night, guys. It was wonderful talking to you. Yep, you too, yeah. Paul. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Later. You bet. Guess we can close the file on that one. <laughs>